Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Fatal. You can now catch this podcast on Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the show. And it is your boy, Fatal. It is me. On the evening of July 8th, 2021, make sure you go support your comic shops. Comicshoplocator.com will help you find them. Localcomic.shop will also help you find them. There's been so much going on with Black Widow coming out and Loki's episode 5. And we just recorded that episode for the Fatal foils and check that out on spotify at some point in the week we also got on twitter a release date and uh, a new teaser for marvel's what if not just showing captain carter which we saw many times before but i saw something that stood out to me and maybe this was public knowledge before but killmonger saving iron man preventing him from becoming iron man and iron man one how does how does black panther's villain tie into this this is it blows my mind also on Twitter, Oreo made a tweet teasing their latest collaboration to be on shelves come September. The tweet called the, the viewer a trainer and had references to the elements of the starter Pokemon and everyone's most beloved electric mouse mascot. So Oreo is collaborating with Pokemon. I don't eat Oreos, but I, you know, if it comes with a card, I might buy a box or two. Hobbs and Shaw isn't the only extended universe Fast and Furious movie anymore. The next spinoff movie being focused on Charlize Theron's character Cypher, Universal having said they wanted more character movies. It makes me wonder if we're going to get an Avengers-style team-up after the Fast and Furious proper crew finishes up in a couple movies to continue this franchise until the end of time. Han will never die. Lucasfilm revealed a first look at the upcoming Star Wars project, Star Wars Visions. Lucasfilm released a statement alongside of it saying, As a first formal venture into anime... Each Star Wars vision short bears a unique Japanese sensibility, which in many ways aligns with the tone and spirit of Star Wars storytelling. From the beginning, stories told in the Star Wars galaxy have counted Japanese mythology and the films of Akira Kurosawa among their many influences. And these new visions will further explore that cultural heritage through the unique animation style and perspective of each animation studio. I can't wait for Star Wars anime. I already watch anime. Now you're giving me Star Wars? Count me in. HBO cancels Lovecraft Country. Following the finale of season one, I mean, we're way past the finale of season one now. This show has probably already gone into pre-production for season two, and HBO up and cancels it. HBO has decided they are not going to renew the horror drama Lovecraft Country for a season two. I watched season one of this. I was hooked for each and every episode. I thought the last episode wasn't the pinnacle of the season, but with cast as incredible as they did, and a story that seemed full of layers and very engaging, I was very looking forward to season two. HBO said, We will not be moving forward with a second season of Lovecraft Country. We are grateful for the dedication and artistry of the gifted cast and crew. And to Misha Green, who crafted this groundbreaking series, and to the fans, thank you for joining us on this journey. End quote. You know, HBO, you just didn't have, I don't think you had to cancel it. Bring it back. So hashtag bring back Lovecraft Country. Looking for Lovecraft. A new Spider-Man suit has been popping up thanks to merchandise leaks and pre-orders for both Funko and Lego. 
Revealing a new suit for the upcoming movie, Spider-Man No Way Home, the suit appears to resemble the Iron Spider suit with some Iron Man-esque hollow flare. But instead of arc reactor symbology, we see much more Doctor Strange looking runes on both Spider-Man's wrist and chest. Could Spider-Man be using Sorcerer-inspired Spider-Man abilities? I can't wait to find out this holiday, December 17th, when Spider-Man No Way Home releases in theaters. A new Netflix trailer for both Transformers War for Cybertron and the story trailer for He-Man Revelations dropped this week. I can't believe it. High Moon Studios adapting their video game into a Netflix series. I cannot wait for this. I was already on board buying the comic books after this video game. And He-Man Revelations, Kevin Smith already understands he's trying to bring me back my childhood. I will be watching both of these things on Netflix the moment they come out. I think He-Man comes out July 23rd. And War for Cybertron might already, you know, admit it also might be out this month. I don't know, but I promise you I'm going to watch both. State of Play July 2021 is also today. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably already happened. But, you know, I can't wait to see what they reveal in terms of Horizon uh, Forbidden West. I love it. Fourth of July just happened, as we know. And to celebrate America's independence, we grilled hot dogs. We drank Coca-Cola. And we read Captain America comics? I sure hope so, because it is the birthday of Captain America on July 4th. And because of that, at the top of the show, not the deep end segment, we are going to deep dive America's sweetheart, Steve Rogers. Here we go! Created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby back in March 1941, Steve Rogers' Captain America debuted and changed the world forever. Decorated in spandex resembling the American flag, this symbol for freedom in the American way evolved seamlessly while maintaining its mannerisms from the 1940s. Joe Simon back in 1940 created a sketch resembling the classic Captain America labeled Super American underneath the drawing. Joe Simon said there were too many supers back then thanks to the spawn of Superman back in the day, and thus Captain America was born. When the first Captain America comic came out, it features Captain punching Hitler in the face, and the iconic scene has referenced ever since throughout comic history and even being referenced on the big screen, I think only in conversation. Simon and Kirby receiving hate mail and death threats, on the other half receiving also admiration and incredible sales in comic shops around the country, seeing over a million issues sold on release. The character commonly wearing the colors of the American nation with the stars and the stripes from the flag itself. Just for clarity of character, we will be talking about the abilities and journeys of Steve Rogers. Though many have taken the mantle of Captain America, the young artist Steve Rogers has been the most notable in canon thus far. Steve Rogers' skills and abilities consist of enhanced super strength, being able to bench 1,100 pounds and more, given stressful or emotional situation. Enhanced speed of running, running a mile in under a minute. Hypnotic mental manipulation resistance. Though he's not immune to hypnosis, he's definitely a lot more resistant than others. He can snap out of it faster. He's a hyper-tactician, allowing him to use any team with master battlefield coordination and strategy. He has used the X-Men, the Avengers. He has played everybody like the respectable pawns they are, the chess pieces in Steve Rogers' head for him to win the battles Earth must win. Also being a proficient martial artist in Aikido, kickboxing, judo, jujitsu, and much more. Possibly, arguably, his most important feature is his star-spangled vibranium proto-adamantium shield, in which he has mastered throwing like a boomerang, also being used for melee combat, 
and absorbing some of Marvel's harshest blasts from the likes of Doctor Doom to Iron Man. Cable himself having once chosen the shield as his equipment of choice in one alternate X-Men future. Steve Rogers wanted to do his duty and sign up for the war in light of World War II, but rejected due to his small size and underdeveloped muscles, Dr. Abraham Erskine found the perfect candidate for the Super Soldier program to attempt to push Rogers to the peak of physical limitation. After the success of Project Rebirth, a Nazi spy murdered Erskine in front of Rogers. Cementing Rogers would be the last of his kind. Rogers' duty to his country has kept him fighting and with the aid of his slowed aging as a side effect of the serum, he has stayed in the fight even much later in 2099 comic arcs. He's teamed up with every team in Marvel, being praised as someone gods follow to the gates of hell. This is why we salute Captain America on his birthday of the 4th of July and on this episode of the Fanfare. Cheers, Captain! Next up in movies, we have The Forever Purge, director Everardo Gout, starring Ana de la Reguera, Josh Lucas, Cassidy Freeman. All the rules are broken as a sect of lawless marauders decides that the annual Purge does not stop at daybreak and instead should never end. I like the Purge movies. They are not my biggest... Uh, they're not my cup of tea all the time, but if I'm looking for a horror movie that isn't about just paranormal demons murdering children nowadays or anything, The Purge is actually a pretty good movie. I won't lie. I won't say that it's got, like, the greatest story, but the premise is already so interesting. You don't need an amazing story with the premise like that. And I'm assuming that's why they make 13 Saw movies. Anyway, that comes out July 2nd. The Tomorrow War. A family man is drafted to fight in a future war where the fate of humanity relies on his ability to confront the past. With director Chris McKay, starring Chris Pratt, Yvonne Strahovski, and J.K. Simmons. Coming out July 2nd. And, as we know, and we will not leave it out of this category, and I apologize for season 5 of Rick and Morty still not being in a television segment, Black Widow! Coming out July 9th with director Kate Shortland, Scarlett Johansson reprises her Marvel superhero role as Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow. In this movie set after Civil War and before her death in Endgame, follow Black Widow to Budapest and beyond in this globe-spanning spy thriller. And the first movie in Marvel's Phase 4. I, for one, can't wait for this more than anything. As a reason to resume normalcy, and what better way with Marvel? Starring Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, and David Arbor. See, we're gonna see, we're gonna see Red Guardian. We're gonna see the Black Widow mantle get passed to what I'm assuming is somebody gonna operate within the Young Avengers. Or maybe it doesn't even have to be the Young Avengers. It could be, Florence Pugh could be, like I've said it before on the show, the Nightwing to the Teen Titans. Or, or... Man, I, Black Samson to the crew in Invincible. Like, you don't need a young person leading young people. You can have an adult to take them to, you know, uh, an amusement park or a rated R movie or, you know, maybe to a bar. Nobody's going to card Black Widow at the door. They're just happy she's there. Catch Black Widow July 9th. I know right after this podcast, I'm on my way to Orlando to watch Black Widow. I'm going to do it up. I'm going to go all out. I can't wait. I wanted this movie to come out a few times, and they kept delaying it and delaying it and delaying it. And now, finally, it falls on the time of my birthday, but I couldn't I couldn't ask for a better present than Black Widow. Now, we go on to notable number what, 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 what? Heck yeah, with Aftershock Comics. Kicking it off, Clans of Bellari number one, written by Rob Blackie. Peter Blackie, and Daniel Maine as the artist. 
Primary laws of the Balari system. No person or clan may exit the system. No person or clan may do the designated work of another clan. Clans may not merge. Any person that breaks a primary law shall be made outcast. Huh. This sounds like another thing that we kind of know. Horizon Zero Dawn. This is pretty cool. On the far side of the galaxy, an isolated branch of humanity is trapped in a feudal dystopia. Order is maintained by a system of oppression until an orphaned girl and her incorrigible adoptive father sow the seeds of a revolution and unite the clans against a fearsome alien threat. That's Clans of Balari, number one. Ahoy Comics! With Blacksmith, number one. That's a clever title. Written by Eric Palicki, artist Wendell Cavalcanti. Meet Janie Strummer-Jones, just an ordinary werewolf P.I. trying to make it on the mean streets of L.A. When the case of a lifetime falls into her lap, it's up to her and her charming Jin assistant Ben Salat to figure out just how many silver bullets have been used. And just where do silver bullets come from anyway? Black's myth number one. Avery Hill Publishing! With Impending Blindness of Billy Scott, written by Zoe Thorogood, with the artist also Zoe Thorogood. Billy Scott is an artist. Her debut gallery exposition opens in a few months. Within a fortnight, she'll be completely blind. Zoe Thorogood's first graphic novel is a story about what it's like to get something you want, have it immediately taken away from you, and then how you put it all back together again. Set in a world of people down on their luck from Middlesbrough to London, it's a graphic novel that speaks of post-austerity Britain and the problems facing those left behind. That is Impending Blindness of Billy Scott. Artists, Writers, and Artisans Incorporated with Fight Girls Number 1, written by Frank Cho. Ten hard-as-nails women face off in an ancient contest of champions where the winner truly takes all. The title of Queen of the Galaxy. To win the challenge, each contestant must, must survive the hazards of the planet's harsh landscape, the ferocious predators on and below its surface, and their fellow contestants. This edition of the contest has a twist. One of the contestants is an infiltrator who has her eye on something bigger than the prize. Who is she, and what does she really want? Fight Girls, number one. Black Mask Comics, coming out with God Killer Tomorrow's Ashes, number one. Written by Matteo Pozzolo, artist Anna Wyzik. It's back from Matteo Pozzolo and Anna Wyzik, the comic that Zach Thompson said pushed me further than I've ever been pushed. Returns to ratchet up the chaos and roar through the comic market, spitting punk rock fury, thundering into your eyeballs and running roughshod across your brains with its often mind-bending, sometimes horrifying, always clever and devious tales of sci-fi magic, apocalyptic sex, and subversive mind bombs. God Killer Tomorrow's Ashes, number one. Boom! Studios, with Mammo number one of five. Written by Sass Maledge. Can Orla O'Reilly embrace, embrace her destiny in order to bridge the divide between humanity and the fairy world? Orla, the youngest in a long line of hedge witches, finds herself pulled back to her hometown after the death of her grandmother, Mamo. Without Mamo managing magical relationships between the townsfolk and the fae, the seas are impossible to fish. The crops have soured. Joe Manalo's attic has been taken over by a poltergeist. Now Orla and Joe will both be pulled into worlds they never wanted to be a part of. Can the two girls work together to save the town? Find out in Mamo number one. Dark Horse Comics. There's a couple important ones from Dark Horse this this week. This these were pretty pretty cool. 
Hellboy and BPRD Secret of Chess Bro House number one of two. Written by Mike Mignola and Christopher Golden, Hellboy works with a psychic to clear a haunted mansion for auction, but the ghosts and residents aren't quite ready to go gentle into the good night, and the answer may lie in the connection with the living world. Hellboy creator Mike Mignola teams with longtime collaborator Christopher Golden and artist extraordinaire Sean McMan McManus to bring you a brand new frightful delight from the world of Hellboy. Also from Dark Horse, ooh, this one is exciting. Masters of the Universe Revelation number one of four. Written by Kevin Smith, Rob David, and Tim Sheridan. Artist Mindy Lee. This is the official comic book prequel to the upcoming Netflix television show written by executive producers Kevin Smith and Rob David and episode writer Tom Sheridan and featuring art by Mindy Lee of the Crimson Lotus. Following a vicious Orlax attack on his father King Randor, He-Man learns the creature is linked to the origin of the Sword of Power. To save Randor and put an end to the chaos, He-Man embarks on an epic journey that pits him against his longtime foes Skeletor and Evil Lynn, and sees Tila take the reins of a powerful legacy, the official prequel to the upcoming Netflix show. Don't miss this one if you want to know what's about to happen. Or don't want to know what's happened and still go back and read this after the fact. I can't. I'm so excited they're even doing this. Dynamite Entertainment with Red Sonia, Black, White, and Red number one. Written by Kurt Busick, Amanda Dybert, Mark Russell, with art by Ben Dewey, Cat Staggs, and Bob Q. Dynamite proudly presents a prestige project by the world's greatest storytellers, Red Sonia, like you've never seen before. All presented in beautiful black, white, and red, Kurt Busick of Astro City and the Marvels, amazing comic series, and Benjamin Dewey, King in Black Namor. I didn't read the King in Black, but I understand about Null and the journey that Venom went through, and Namor has been going half-villainous for the past couple decades in Marvel stories. I can only imagine that these, these cats are about to bring something dark to Red Sonja. This will take you to the Mountains of Night, a foreboding haunt where the she-devil with a sword seeks a precious priceless item. Amanda Dybert of Wonder Woman and Cat Staggs of Smallville winds you through a mysterious adventure of Crimson and Ebony. Mark Russell from Red Sonja proper and Bob Q, also from Red Sonja, return to put their final stamp on the classic Red Sonja series with a coda that will leave you breathless. Coming from Image Comics, Skybound X number one. Writer Rob Kirkman of Invincible and Walking Dead. Don't even get me started on Rob Kirkman. I love me some Robbie K. Tilly Walden, James Heron, and Chris Dingus celebrate a sensational 10 years of Skybound with a cavalcade of your favorite creators and all new stories of your favorite series past, present, and future. Each issue of this oversized weekly series will kick off with a new chapter of a serialized the Walking Dead story, the Rick Grimes 2000 story by Robert Kirkman and Ryan Otley. In addition, we'll be debuting all new series and characters every issue starting with the first appearance of the most requested Walking Dead character of all time. Clementine, star of the best-selling Telltale's The Walking Dead video game series. Did we mention new Ultra Mega and Manifest Destiny stories? If you want to know what happens in Skybound's next 10 years, it all starts here in Skybound X number one. From Literati Press, Glamorella's Daughter, number one, with writer Brandy Williams, Charles J. Martin, and Jerry Bennett. Comet, the daughter of Earth's greatest defender, 
yearns for a quiet existence with towers of books and occasional game night at her friend's house. Her mom, Glamorella, savors the thrill of adventure, the heat of battle, and the glitzy soirees that come with superheroics. While Glamorella navigates keeping the world safe and dealing with her super scientist ex, Comet does her best to withstand the trials of middle school. Can they find the time and the common ground to help each other out? Find out in Glamorella's daughter, number one. On to Marvel Comics! You guys already know it's hard for me to hide that we're Marvel fanboys here. Marvel all day. We love DC. It's a, it's a second. Marvel. 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 Extreme Carnage Alpha, number one. Written by Philip Kennedy Johnson and artist Manuel Garcia. Violence runs in the family. As the dust continues to settle after the species-redefining King in Black saga, Eddie Brock and his son Dylan won't be the only ones learning to adjust to a new normal. Collectively called the Life Foundation, symbiotes Scream, Phage, Riot, Lasher, and Agony have tried to reconcile the sometimes noble intentions of their hosts with their often bloodthirsty impulses. But the Life Foundation symbiotes aren't the only ones with a part to play in this story, and they aren't the only symbiotes who find themselves reinvented after King in Black. They have an older sibling who may be reinvented in its own right. Carnage. That's Extreme Carnage Alpha number one. X-Men number one by Gary Duggan with artist Pepe Larraz. These X-Men are fearless. The heroes of Krakoa are here to save the planet. Things might be complicated between the nation of Krakoa and the rest of the world, but to the X-Men, things are simple. You do what's right. You protect those who need protecting, and you save the world we all share. Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Sunfire, Rogue, Wolverine, Cinch, Polaris are the chosen champions of mutant kind, and they will not shrink from any battle for their home planet. I'm definitely going to pick this reboot up of X-Men. After planet-sized X-Men look just absolutely bonkers, we're grounded, we got the X-Men acting as superheroes going across the world to solve problems that only these mutants can. I'm all for X-Men number one, probably as the chosen, as the spotlight of the notable number ones this week. I want that X-Men. Scout Comics coming out with Tart Toxic Origins number one, written by Kevin Joseph and artist Ludovic Sally. Tart Acid was once just like them, a frightened soul learning that hell exists and that she could play a part in protecting Earth's history from demonic intervention. Now she is the guide for three new recruits, explaining how her brand of time-traveling demon hunters ended up risking their immortal souls to stand against the forces of hell. Come along as some of the mysteries of the toxic universe are revealed in Tart Toxic Origins number one. From Titan Comics, we get Life is Strange Coming Home number one. Written by Emma Vaselli, art by Andrea Izzo, Claudia Leonardi. New arc featuring backup strips with the first comic appearance of Alex Chen, lead character from the new game Life is Strange True Colors. Max's attempt to return home enters a thrilling new phase. A shocking discovery offers unexpected hope, and the epic cross-country trip with Chloe and Rachel reveals a new ally. Life is Strange Remastered Edition of the original game series is also set to be released Fall 2021. Also from Titan Comics, Monday, Monday, Rivers of London, number one, written by Ben Aronovich, Andrew Cartmel, with art by Josep Maria Biroy. An unmissable brand new era in the life of full-time cop and part-time wizard Peter Grant. A werewolf is on the loose and will stop at nothing to avoid capture. It's up to Peter and his cohort of chums 
to hunt the deadly lycanthropy and bring him to justice. From Z2 Comics, Run the Dungeon number one. This one looks pretty cool. Written by Patrick Kindlin, with art by Gorin Ligoyek. Relst is just your average young man, except he is stuck in an endless dungeon. Follow him on his adventures through the dungeon, hoping to escape to the surface world. Run the Dungeon is for fans of witty fantasy adventures everywhere. Includes a soundtrack from Self-Defense Family and an original pen and paper RPG based on the book. Sounds like a deal. And that's all we got for the notable number ones. And honestly, guys, that's the end of the show this week. But as always, we're about to dive a little further. From the top of the show to the bottom of the show, we got the deep end. And because of that Spider-Man Funko, I, I, I was asking myself, where are we going if there's no way home? Who could be joining us? I mean, we've already seen that Alfred Molina is going to join us, and he said that this is more about the villains of Spider-Man. But... Just because this Spider-Man movie is about the villains of Spider-Man doesn't mean that the villains can't carry over in the Multiverse of Madness considering everything that's going on right now. And one of those people that could be joining us is Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is famous for playing the Green Goblin. But if we take Willem Dafoe's character, Norman Osborn, and we go a little bit further with Norman Osborn, we actually get a very interesting character development from Norman Osborn. Norman takes up the mantle of the Iron Patriot. The fusion of Iron Man and Captain America, the Iron Patriots alias, first appeared in the Dark Avengers number one back in March of 2009. Created by Brian Michael Bendis and Mike Diodato, Norman Osborn donned the original Iron Patriot armor during the Dark Reign storyline to exert his authority as commander of Hammer and the Dark Avengers. His abilities consist of super strength and durability. For those of you thinking, why does Norman Osborn have super strength and durability? You gotta remember, he went through his own experiments as the Green Goblin. He's just Norman in a suit now. His abilities consist of super strength and durability, supersonic flight, flamethrowers, energy repulsors, missile projection, and regenerative life support. Armed with a unibeam, the Iron Patriot's armor star-shaped unibeam projector is less powerful than a standard unibeam of one of Tony Stark's suits. Unsurprisingly, Osborn's activities as the Iron Patriot has left some of his other fellow superheroes in danger. He even ends up getting tricked into attacking Iron Man. The new Avengers, led by Captain America, even used Iron Patriot's armor-tracking device on Luke Cage as a trick to destroy his own house. Osborn's invasion of Asgard, Asgard on the grounds of national security threat, the Iron Patriot armor is disabled during Osborn's fight with Captain America, revealing Norman Osborn's Green Goblin face paint underneath the suit. My man couldn't help himself, he just wanted to embody the Green Goblin no matter what superhero mantle he's still wearing, which has actually led him to let go of the Iron Patriot because he was not fit for that role. James Rhodes, the War Machine, temporarily wore the Iron Patriot armor in the Secret Avengers Volume 2 and the Iron Patriot series. Sharon Carter briefly wore her own Iron Patriot armor to combat Selene. Norman Osborn, as CEO and head of S.H.I.E.L.D., takes on the name Iron Patriot clad in star-spangled Stark tech. I think this can play into Spider-Man No Way Home with Willem Dafoe confirmed for the picture. He can stay behind in the MCU proper with a deceased Tony Stark, and before his dis demise at the end of Raimi's Spider-Man 1 by the, the glider, Spider-Man jumping over the glider and Norman Osborn eh, pseudo-committing suicide in a way. He can find his way to the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Fury and Space still tagging along with the sword, uh, the sword crew, and he can create the Thunderbolts. 
I mean, if multiverse players are on the table, the team is damn near formed already. Playing with only MCU properties, with a few exceptions, can see the return of Sylvie from the Loki series or US Agent to help lead along with Tom Hardy's Venom, a new Thunderbolts team. With Deadpool in the MCU now, with Kevin Feige. Even further, an evil duality Norman Osborn can play omni-villain to the Young Avengers, always being the greater evil looming over their grounded adventures until the moment where they would go up against Norman. Norman having died to another Spider-Man in the multiverse can have it out for Tom Holland's Spider-Man, with Spider-Man being oblivious to the previous rivalry. But it's some out there theorizing. I want him to basically be the principal of their school, but like always like, oh, those Young Avengers, I'll get you someday. He's still Green Goblin at heart, no matter what Tony Stark suit he puts on. And that is our deep dive on the Iron Patriot. Short and sweet, because a lot of it is, is, is theorizing. If you want to go learn more about the Iron Patriot, go look up any of this icon iconic art, this, this incredible fusion, this evolution of a character. I love the Iron Patriot, man. It's super cool when they play with people like this. Like in Infinity Warps, they're playing with uh, the Ghost Black Panther, Ghost Panther, uh, Ghost Rider Black Panther fusion. They're playing with the Moon Knight Spider-Man fusion. Iron Patriot is just as organic of a fusion without even having his own, like, title or arc to have to fuse under. It's just him wanting to be the Iron Patriot amongst the Avengers. It's super cool. It's basically just how War Machine saw Iron Man and, and now we have War Machine. You know, Tony, maybe you should destroy those suits after all. Anyway, that's been your boy Fatal for the Fatal Fanfare for July 8th. 2021 thank you for joining me everybody i'm gonna go watch black widow i can't wait and i hope you do too just make sure you get a shot you wear a mask you stay respectful to everybody socially and i'll see you next week later guys what's going on everybody it's your boy fatal from fatal fanfare and fatal affair in general you can now catch this podcast and all of the shows under this podcast on google spotify stitcher and apple and i thank you for supporting the show see you next week